I was blessed just in the time of worship just now as we were singing unto the Lord. We, we sang a, a, a few moments ago from the song, Get Us Well With My Soul. And I think of the author of that, Horatio Spafford, and how he had lost his son to scarlet fever in 1871. And, and then on November 22nd of 1873, he had sent his wife and his four daughters ahead to England and to serve as in, in missions. And in the ship, the vessel crashed and 226 people lost their lives. His wife was spared, but his 11-year-old daughter, Annie, and nine-year-old Maggie and five-year-old Bessie and two-year-old Tanetta. They all died on that, on that ship. And after that, as he was traveling over to meet with his wife, he, he penned the hymn that we sang. And I, I preface it with this because I, I think of our congregation here and, and some of you, you just... It, You've gone through heartache and trials and things didn't go the way in which you planned at all. And there's rough times and things that you wish could just change or wish had never happened or, or have just been so hard to, to go through. But I think of, of this man, most of us would say that what we've been through wouldn't compare to what he had gone through. And yet to, to hear the words, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. But you get the heart there of where he's saying that my sin, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. To think of whatever has come our way. To think, my sin. Like, you know, like, I mean, you know what he's talking about. My sin. The bliss of this glorious thought. Like, my sin, not in part, but the whole, all of it. Every bit of it is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. It's not on me anymore. It doesn't cover me. It, it's replaced with the very righteousness of Christ. And the only reason why it, it doesn't cover you and cause you to be under the wrath of God is because Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He took the sin away from you. He paid the price. Your sin, not in part, but the whole. Was nailed to the cross, and you bear it no more. It's gone. And the response is, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. We had Faye Acton's memorial yesterday. And what, what, what a blessed time. Passed away at 80 years old, 61 years of marriage to Pastor Bill. And just seeing the people come, the, that they had planted six churches over the course of their lives. And 
But what a, what a radical race Pastor Bill and Faye have run. Six churches that they've planted, and people from all different kinds of churches come in here yesterday morning. And we talked with, I talked with one of the, the gentlemen outside and his wife, Tosh and I were talking with them, and, and he was just talking about one of the churches where it just, he said like, there was something so special about it to where people were just sharing the gospel with everybody. They were bringing business clients and, and neighbors and friends and just they, they were bringing them to church and there was just this joy in the gospel and people loving the gospel and loving Christ and it was just having this incredible effect on the congregation. And it blessed me so much just to hear that and I, I see God doing such wonderful things at reverence but I just pray more and more God may, may, may we look back on all of our time here and think like what an awesome thing God was doing here in our hearts, the way that we thought about the gospel, the way we thought about Christ, the way we thought about the loss, the way we thought about my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord on my soul. And we just, we want people to, to know Christ and have their sin removed and we love Christ and there's just a passion for the gospel. That's what's taking place in Acts. You find in verse 25 where they, they had testified and preached the word of the Lord. And they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. They were just going out wherever they could possibly go preaching the gospel. Not just to the Jews, but to the Samaritans as well. Let's preach the gospel. Christ died. He rose again from the dead. We saw him. We know what he's done. We understand the gospel. He's, he's shown us in his word that it all comes together in, in, in Christ and him crucified. Let's go and proclaim this message. And so they're out preaching the gospel. Everywhere they possibly could go, they're preaching the gospel because they love Christ. They have such a passion to see people come to know Christ. It, it has affected every area of their lives. Well, Philip, in verse 26, is amongst those that are going and preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to him. An angel comes and speaks to him, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, I don't know what your thoughts would be, but that doesn't sound like the journey that I want to take. When he says, okay, here, stop. I mean, you're preaching the gospel to the Samaritans. You're going from village to village. You guys, there's awesome things taking place, but I want you to stop and get up, go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's two different ways to get from Jerusalem towards Gaza. And, and they're saying, go the one that's towards where you're going through the desert. Take that route. So he arose and went. Those words are precious. God says, do this. So he arose and went. He didn't say, I want to go to the desert. 
But you got a picture. Going to the desert at this time, and there's not like, let's hit the AC because this is going to be hot. It's just, let's, let's make a trek. Well, I'm going. God told me to get up. He told me to go. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to arise and I'm going to go. He calls me to do something and I'm going to do it. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. And so Philip ran to him heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which was read was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. This is an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture of what God is doing. Here's this man, not from the area. He's from the African nation of Ethiopia. The African nation of Ethiopia at that time is not where it is today. It was that area that was south of Egypt going down to Khartoum, Sudan. It was that, a huge region that was there, but that was the area. And here's this man who is the, the treasurer of the queen. Has a high position there. He had come up to, to Jerusalem. He purchases God's word. And he's reading out loud there on the chariot when Philip comes running to him. This is... Without a doubt, a divine appointment, isn't it? I mean, God says through the angel, get up, go, arise, go. This is a place, take this path. It's desert, go this way. And he goes and he sees this man in a chariot. And he's reading Isaiah 53. The eunuch answers Philip and says, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at, at, at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. So as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they had come up from the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azadus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. This is a passage in which we see God specifically calling Philip to go and to preach the gospel to a very specific person. It blesses me in, in, in looking at this because 
One is I, I'm picturing where this man's from. Here's this, this black man. He's from Ethiopia. He's from that area. He's come up to Jerusalem. He's in this chariot. He's in this very specific place. He's reading God's word. God is making all of these things happen. And, and we, just, we, we, we watch his sovereign hand and the Holy Spirit working to bring the gospel to this particular man on this particular day in this particular setting to bring him to salvation. And this continues to happen today. I think of, most of you know the story, but it relates, I think, largely to today, of a time in which I had the opportunity to meet with the president of Sudan, Omar Bashir. He said that his country was free and we knew that it was not. I asked him, could I, I'm thinking, fill a stadium. Can I bring a professional Christian soccer team to play your national team? in your national stadium, you were most welcome in the paper the next morning. So we put together a team. Andy Guastafaro was on that team. That's where we first met. We go there. We play against their national team at halftime there. Well, prior to that, I told the team, like, I'm there. I'm one of the coaches of the team. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you guys just play to the glory of God. You knock someone down. You pick them up. The ball goes out of bounds. You know, like, and it's off us. Just give it to the other team. Let's just play in such a way that we exemplify Christ when we play. I don't know how the gospel is going to go forward, but God orchestrated this opportunity. We're here. We're playing against their national team. Let's just play in such a way where God's honored. And this man comes up to me at half, right before halftime. He says, are you a coach? I said, yes. He's like, I'm in charge of the, the television. We're in their national stadium. Their stadium's full of people. It's being played on international television to... They said over 10 million people. And we're, we're there and we're, we're, we're listening to this man. He just says, I, no one knows I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian and I'm in charge of this television program. You can't tell anybody I'm a Christian, but if I give you an interview at halftime, would you share the gospel? I'm like, absolutely. So me and the captain of the team shared the gospel at halftime on international television. But you have to think of moments like that and just think like, this is God opening doors and just saying like i'm gonna make it so that this man is in charge of this television program and he is going to be saved and he's going to make a way for this to happen we didn't know that that was going to happen like that but god did we tied one one great result we went from there it was i mean like you want you don't want to beat them badly which i don't think we could have done anyhow because they were really good and you don't want to get your tails kicked because that's embarrassing and so it was one one and it was a good result we went from there, and, and our next game was up where you drove through past, or from Khartoum up north, and we passed these pyramids that are there in an area called Miro, which is all a part of where this guy's from. I mean, this area is just sand. We drove for miles and miles. You couldn't find, like, a weed. It was just sand. And you're going, and there's these pyramids that are there that are in the middle of nowhere. And you, you pull off on the side of the road, and you look up, and there's just pyramids there. We went up, and we checked out the pyramids and did all that. And then we continued on and went to an area where we played our next game, where we won. Good result. <laughs> but we went to an area, and it was interesting because the, we played in this next stadium. And, and there came a point where there was the call 
to, to pray, and, and, uh, and all of the people came out of the stands onto the field in the middle of the game and started doing their prayers, their Muslim prayers. And it, it was the most unnerving. For, for us, we're standing there like, what do we do? Everybody's come onto the field. It just, but God was glorified through that. And I think of like, the, it was the same place that this Ethiopian eunuch is from. That was where he was at. It, we, I'm reading through my commentaries. It's talking about the pyramids in Moreau. And the, the, the guy would have been there in that area from Khartoum up to Egypt. And this is the area that we drove through. And God still loves those people and still sends people to those people to share the gospel. He orchestrates things like this. To have a heart that just says, Lord, use me, send me. I want to preach the gospel. I want to tell people about Christ. Recognizing that God opens up doors for things like this to happen. I mean, he called him specifically. Go, this path, chariots there. The guy's reading the word. And we know his hands on it. A few weeks back, Jonathan and I were taking a flight up to Reno for a wrestling tournament. And we left, and, and, and our, our plan was to, to go up to Reno and then fly back into Long Beach, get there by 4, because we had a 5 o'clock wedding in Long Beach on Saturday. And so I planned the trip and got the cheapest tickets going up and back, and we get dropped off at Long Beach Airport to take off to fly. I get up there. I give them all my information. We're 15 minutes early because we're just on top of things. And... I go up and I say, like, here's my name, here's my driver's license, everything, and we're going to Reno. They take time, they look, and they're like, your name's not on this. Can I see your reservation number? So I look at my phone, and I'm like, flying out of L.A. And so it's just like, no, this is bad. He has to weigh in by two and... I'm looking at every other flight leaving and nothing leaves till nothing gets me there till four. And I'm like, you're supposed to weigh in between 12 and two and we're in Long Beach. I'm like, I didn't have time to call someone, come back and take us up to LA. So I was like, get in the cab, let's go. So we get in the cab and we're taking off and I'm looking at my phone and I'm going through like, we're not gonna make it, Jonathan. Jonathan, I'm so sorry, we're not gonna make it. Like, and the cab driver's just like, I will do my best. you know. And so he's like trying to, get us to the airport and I'm looking at Google Maps and it's taken me over an hour to get from Long Beach to LA because it's like eight something in the morning and we're we're looking at this just like we're not we're never gonna we're never gonna get there and and I told Jonathan let's just pray let's pray that we could get there and we prayed together and and um we can't cancel our rental car or a hotel or anything and it's just like I was so frustrated and and I'm like, let's just pray, Jonathan, we'll pray, and we prayed, and, and then I'm looking at this cab driver, and I said, like, where are you from? And he said, Cambodia. I said, how long have you been in the United States? And he told me, and, and I said, what, what's the primary religion in Cambodia? And he said, Buddhism. I said, are you Buddhist? And he said, yeah, I'm Buddhist. I said, okay. How, how does someone that's Buddhist get to heaven? And he says, we, we try to live the best we possibly can. I said, you know what the Bible says about that? And I just talked about, like, no one's good enough to get to heaven. We're all sinners. And I just began to just share the gospel with this man on our way up. And, and it was just a precious time of just sharing 
the treasures of the gospel in Christ to this Cambodian man on the way up. Just prior to getting there, I thought, well, we're, our plan is leaving in five minutes, and so I don't think we're going to make it. It says we have to be there an hour before. And I looked at the thought, I'll pull up the flight and just see if it's on time. And the flight was an hour and a half delayed because of air traffic control. And we made it. And, and we were rejoicing. And the guy didn't say, like, tell me, what does this mean in Isaiah 53? But we looked at it as like, this is an opportunity to share Christ with this man. God had us on this cab for a reason. Let's share the gospel with him. And it was the sweetest thing because Jonathan and I on the rest of the way up to Reno, he's like, so that's how you share the gospel with somebody. He's like, I was just wondering, I, I saw like how you were doing it. And, and you like asked the guy where he's from, what religion, how does he get to heaven? And you kind of like just set the guy up like to just... <laughs> Share the gospel with them, you know? I said, yeah, Jonathan, we just got to pray for him, you know? Like, we got to pray that God works in his heart because God had us get on that cab for a reason. He made all those people late to Reno so that we could still make our flight and you can make weight. And we just, you got to believe that God has his hand on things like this for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. Our view of God needs to be such that we trust him to, to say, Lord, lead me. Give me opportunities to minister the gospel, whether it be to the Samaritans or if you call me someplace else, I'll go someplace else and I'll share the gospel with those people. God had prepared this man. And I think of the millions of people that heard the gospel through what took place in Sudan. But brothers and sisters, in this passage, God cares about this one man, this Ethiopian man. It's not a matter of the numbers. It's a matter of God working to bring people to salvation. Here this man is, and he's, he's there just reading out loud the prophet Isaiah. Reading out loud. It tells us that Philip ran to him. Entitled the sermon, Running in the Spirit. Why? Because I think it's awesome that he ran. It wasn't like, it's probably the person that God wants me to go talk to. I'm in the desert. There's no one else out here. I figure let's just go check out the scene. This guy's in this chariot and he's got a bunch of people around him. And let's just, he, he, he is so enthusiastic about God has called me to this place in the middle of the desert and has this guy here in his chariot standing there reading from the book of Isaiah. He runs to him. He runs. There's joy that's there. There's eagerness as far as I get to minister. This is who God brought me to. I'm going to go minister to him. To him. So Philip runs to him. He hears him reading the prophet Isaiah and says, do you understand what you're reading? Do you know what you're reading? The man responds by saying, how can I unless someone guides me? And he says, Philip, can you come up and sit with me? So Philip comes up and sits with him. Romans 10, 12 tells us that there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the lord shall be saved 
How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We need to be those that are willing to share our faith. We need to be those that are willing to send those that are willing to go. We need to have minds that are such that the gospel and evangelism and missions matters to us. Whether it be the road heavers going to Utah or our team going to Africa or Pastor Don in Peru or China or wherever God calls him, local evangelism here that takes place. I pray that God would stir in us a passion for the gospel because we know that he will bring about results. There's confidence that there's Ethiopian eunuchs that are just waiting to hear the gospel and God's eager to send us to them. Ready to go. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Okay. Imagine this guy. He gets... He goes, he purchases the word. There's a huge scroll there. He's standing there because in that day, like they believed like you read out loud because it helps you to remember it. And so they would read out loud. So he's reading out loud. And here Philip comes on and he hears this. Well, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? And he just goes forth to explain it. The Lamb of God. John the Baptist saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or Peter saying, You weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I, I am certain that, that Philip took him to, the sh- just as a sheep is led to the slaughter and his lamb is, is, is silent before when it's been shared, so he opened not his mouth and, and just taking him to Jesus, Matthew 26, where the, the, there's many false witnesses that come forward. They found no one to, to, to come against him. But the last two false, false witnesses came and, and said, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy this temple and build it in three days. And the high priest rose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? And Jesus kept silent. He kept silent. Philip saying, Jesus did exactly what this said. Exactly. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And Philip could just go to the eunuch and just say, this is talking about Christ. Just turn with me for a moment to Isaiah 53. You look at Isaiah 53 and and. Christ is all through it. I mean, can you picture a better passage for this man to be sitting in his chariot reading? Isaiah 53, where it's saying things like, verse 4, Surely he's borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. 
He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he's cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In his, in his, in his hand. And, and, and you could just imagine him saying, like, this is Christ. He was crucified. He was whipped. He was buried with the rich there in, in, in that particular tomb. His death was with the wicked as he hung there on the cross. And he just takes this man through Isaiah 53 and just says, this is Christ. It is Christ. This was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But this is Christ. It describes exactly what took place a couple months ago there at the crucifixion and burial and resurrection of Christ. So the eunuch answers Philip and says, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth at beginning at this scripture and preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. May we have countless examples of God doing this in our lives. He's reading Isaiah 53. Who will explain it? May God work in our hearts to where we are able to explain it. The gospel. It matters to us. We want to explain it. But we also have a heart to explain it. The man went down the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? There's water. Now, in the middle of the desert, is that something that you expect to see? No. I mean, God orchestrates every part of this to where he's in this chariot, riding with this man, sharing the gospel, and they're going up the road, and they come to water. Already, Philip has brought him to a place of, you need to believe and to be baptized. And the man says, here's water. Here's water. Awesome just a picture like this and as a church we we baptize and we baptize through immersion it's not a sprinkling that takes place it's a full immersion that takes place and and not that that this isn't philip's point but god has it be where there's a pool of water there for him to be baptized in he orchestrates it on friday we were blessed to go to a gideon um event for the gideon bibles and and we were up at the great wolf lodge and um, there's much water there it's amazing. Water park, huge. And Tasha, we were 45 minutes away from dinner, and we were supposed to dress all up and get ready to go, and the kids are playing in the water park, and someone else is going to watch the kids in the water park while we go to this dinner, and we got to dress up and put suits on, and she has to get a dress on. And she's already gone down some water slides, but her hair is not wet, and she just says to me, like, I can't get my hair wet because it will take forever for me to get ready if I get my hair wet. And I'm like, okay, you know, but... Andrew really wants to go down that slide and you have to go through like these little streams that are coming down and, and she's like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to get all wet. And she's like, okay, I'll go. And so she kind of like ducks her real quick, gets a little bit wet and takes Andrew up on the slide and he goes down the slide and she comes running out and she just does, you could, I guess I'm watching her. She does not want to get wet. So she like tries to like escape the little drips and goes through. And it was the most amazing thing because 
as she goes through, she steps down, and there's these buckets, these huge buckets that fill up with water. And when they get to like totally to the brim, they just tip over. She she comes running through, and and it was it was like it was amazing. The the, the bucket pours onto her face, her head. And she looked like a drowned beautiful princess, and and <laughs> it, it just it just destroyed her. I mean, it, she just started laughing immediately because it, it could not. She's ducking to get through these little drips and then just boom, like there was much water there. And you look and like in the same way, she's like, I, I asked her last night like, or this morning, could I use you as an illustration? And she's like, how are you even going to fit that in? I go, I don't know, but it will work. It will work. <laughs> Somehow or another, it will work. And, and so you look how God provided water for Tasha in the same way. God provided... <laughs> water for this baptism that's taking place and so he's baptized he asked him if you believe with all your heart you may if you believe with all your heart you may he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God God brought this man to salvation. God did this. God worked in an incredible way to bring this man to salvation at this time. God had him go up to Jerusalem in a chariot from the desert of Ethiopia. Going from there all the way up, getting the word, having him come back down and as he's on his way home, Philip comes running. He's reading Isaiah 53, and God saves him. That's your God. When you think, how did I get saved? It may not have looked just like this, but it was just like this. God saved you. God had the word come alive in your heart, and your eyes were open. He had someone share the gospel with you, someone that was sent. Maybe a mom that was willing to share the gospel with you, a dad, a grandma, a friend. Being in church where the gospel's being presented. And he saved you. You might be here this morning. And you're not here just by chance. God has you here for a reason. And it's so that today would be the day of salvation. For you. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. That's what happens when you get saved. You leave rejoicing. Why? Because my sin, well, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. I bear it no, I don't, it's not on me anymore. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. 
we don't hear about the Ethiopian eunuch as far as what took place after that, except for according to church history, he became a missionary to the Ethiopians. He, he went forward from there, preaching the gospel everywhere he possibly could. Philip was found at Azotus, passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I pray that this morning would be a great encouragement to us as a church. Know the God that we serve. He saves. He saves. He's a God who saves. He's a God that is a God of detail, and his providential hand orchestrates things to bring us to salvation. He prepared this Ethiopian's man's heart to hear the gospel. And then someone went and ran and preached the gospel to him. How beautiful are those feet of Philip running to bring the gospel to this Ethiopian man who went from there to preach the gospel throughout Ethiopia, running. How much fruit came from that? Reverence Bible Church, let's love the gospel. Let's love Christ. Let's care about our witness. Let's love the lost. Let's understand how to explain Isaiah 53. And let's go forth running in the spirit. Lord, where will you send me? Where can I go? Who have you prepared to hear the gospel? And give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And let's watch God work in a mighty, mighty way. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. May the gospel pour forth out of this body. And I pray on a day like today that there might be someone here in which this was not your intent to be here to hear this this morning, and yet God brought you here. To know that your sins could be removed as far as the east is from the west, gone from you. You will bear it no more. You will bear them no more. Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that he died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he was buried and he rose again. Believe that he is all that you need for salvation. And may today be the day of salvation for you. And may you leave this place rejoicing. The bliss of this glorious thought. Your sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from my soul. Lord God, we thank you for Acts chapter 8 and your sovereign hand working in the lives of people to bring people to salvation. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for continuing to work in building your kingdom, building your church, changing hearts and making us see you, Lord, so that you might pour upon us your treasures forevermore. To know that whosoever believes in you will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a message that's worth us running to tell others. Cause us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.